Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Matthew chapter 19, verse number 26. With men, this is impossible. But with God, everybody said with God. All things, everybody said all things, things. are possible. Praise God. And this morning I want to preach to you on this subject, don't forget the God factor. Don't forget the God factor. You may be seated. I also have some good news this morning. Good news and bad news. And you're going to say, well, give me the bad news first. We like to get that out of the way and end on a positive. So I'm going to give you the bad news. I'm going to give you the latest statistics from ATF, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, and from Google, and you can verify the information that I'm about to give you. We are living in a day where people want statistics They want you to trust the science. And they have a strategy, the three S's of any snake. Statistics, strategy. And I want you to know what we're missing here, folks, is we're missing the God factor. Listen to it. Here are... Uh, some statistics, I'm asking them to post them up. These are from, again, Google and ATF. Did you know that a gun has never killed a person? A knife has never killed a person. A baseball bat has never killed a person. Rocks, fists, feet, vehicular homicide. That, a car never killed a person. People kill people. But we're not getting the whole truth. And I want to give you a few statistics that are going to alarm you as they alarmed me. The number of homicides in this country, now we're just talking about the U.S. today, homicides in the United States by guns for the past year, 14,400 people. Now that sounds like a large number. But take a look at the number of suicides in this country, three times that number. 45,000 people died of of suicides this past year. How about drugs in this country? Five times the number, 70,000 die of drugs in America in the past year. Or how about alcohol? Seven times the number of guns at 95,000 people. And how about cigarettes and smoking? 500,000 people. Do you know how many people died of COVID last year? 375,000 in the United States. 500,000 died of tobacco products. Do we get a daily report? This number of people died today. This number of people have been diagnosed with cancer. We don't get any of that. 
We just get the number of COVID cases, the number of deaths today, the number of percentage of people that have been vaccinated to the limit. That's the only information you're getting. But look at these staggering numbers. And how about heart disease? 659,000 people, just out of fear. And the one that nobody wants to mention. How about abortions? 912,500 abortions this past year. 25,000 or 2,538 per day. We're not talking about that. Why don't we bring those statistics up? Why aren't we made aware of that? Because these other things involve money. That's why. Take a look at what the scripture says here in Matthew 6 and 24. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. He'll hate the one and love the other, else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Why don't we go after alcohol? Why don't we go after cigarettes? Why don't we go after drugs? Why don't we go after abortions? Because it's about the money. And it's about the master that we have chosen to serve. John 10 and 10. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But the beginning of the verse says, the other master, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the bad news. That's what he's out to do. And these things that we're mentioning here are we are partaking of the forbidden fruit. And when we partake of the forbidden fruit, it ends in death. I'm just letting you know this is what we're dealing with, folks. This is the stuff that we're dealing with. And it's bad news. We need to stop partaking in the forbidden fruit. And here's another thing that nobody wants to talk about. You know why we have so many abortions? Because of our immorality. We are, one of the, we are becoming one of the most immoral countries on the earth. Adultery, fornication, pornography. And when people get pregnant, well, I don't want the responsibility. I don't want the inconvenience. And so we abort babies. I know that a lot of you probably have seen the news recently and you maybe have saw about a little boy named Major Harris, I think his name was. Three years old. And all the publicity and all the sorrow and all the weeping, and it should be, it's wrong. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. But if he, if he were three years younger and he were aborted, there'd be no voice. Nobody would say anything. We need to stand up and we need to do what's right. And we need to talk about the real issues. And the real issue is sin and the master that you choose. There are only two. It's either Satan or Jesus. 
and you get to pick. But if you're worried about your country, if you're worried about this nation, I have a solution for you. I have some good news for you today. Let's turn in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 13. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 13. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, then will I forgive their sin, then will I hear the, heal their land, and mine eyes shall be open and my ears attent unto the prayer that is made in this place, for I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. There's the answer, there's the good news. We need to turn from the path that we're on and turn back to God and make him Lord, Master, and Savior of all of our lives. That's the answer. That's the good news. Trust in God and be obedient to his word. Now let me preach to you for a few minutes on the God factor. There was a man named Gideon. And an angel appeared to him one day and said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. God's gonna use you to deliver your people from the Midianites. There are 120,000 Midianites, folks. And Gideon's job is to stand up and ask for volunteers. So he stands up and he says, God has told me that he's going to deliver us from the Midianites. I want to know how many of you will volunteer to fight on the Lord's side with me. 32,000 volunteered. 32,000 compared to 120,000 leaves you with bad odds. The odds are not good. 32,000. That means you're outnumbered approximately four to one. Four to one. Not good odds. But God says, nope, Gideon, you got too many soldiers. If any of them are afraid, you tell them that they should just go ahead and go home. And 22,000 of the 32,000 went back home. That left him with 10,000. Now you're outnumbered 12 to 1. And then he says, nope, the odds are still in my favor, I, I don't want my people saying that they did it. I want them to know that I did it. So you take those 10,000 and you tell them to go get a drink of water. And then those that you see lapping water with one hand and their weapon in the other, those are the ones you can take and the rest of them you send them home. And 9,700 go home. And now he's left with 300. 300 which means that they are outnumbered 400 to one. What man here is willing to stand up against 400 
But if God be for us, then who can stand against us? 400 to 1 odds. And look at the weapons that they have to fight in this battle. This is, a, this is great. I'd imagine if I'm one of the 300, I'm thinking, well, I'm still believing, still trusting God. He's probably got some Gatling guns for us. Airplanes, bazookas, and tanks. So Gideon, give us our weapons. We're ready to fight. And he said, all right, boys, line up for your pitchers. Here's a torch, and here's a trumpet. That's what you're going to use to fight in this battle. When I break my pitcher, you break your pitcher. When I light my torch, you light your torch. When I blow my trumpet, you blow your trumpet. That's our weapons for this battle. Are you kidding me, Gideon? Have you lost your mind? We're outnumbered 400 to one, and these are our weapons, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And, God, and Gideon said, this is what we're going to do. And they surround him, and they do exactly what Gideon told them to do. And the God factor takes over. The statistics don't matter anymore. The strategy is not important. The only thing that matters is that God is leading us in this battle, and God is fighting for us. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Second Chronicles 20, verse 17. You're not going to need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not nor be dismayed to go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat, bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. They were worshiping the Lord. You know what they were doing? They weren't questioning the Lord. They were thanking the Lord. They had a spirit of thanksgiving for what had just been declared. And the Levites of the children of the Koites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. They were worshipers. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness. And they went forth and Jehoshaphat said unto them, Hear me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe as prophets, and so shall you prosper. And then he consulted with the people, and he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army, and to, and to say, Praise the Lord! His mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing, and when they began to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which came against Judah, and they were all smitten. Why? Because they remembered the God factor. You don't have to fight in this battle. You don't have to lift a hand. You don't have to do a thing. Just keep your eyes open and see the salvation 
of the Lord. And how about Moses? Exodus chapter 14, 400 years. And finally, July the 4th came to Israel. It was their Independence Day. Everybody went out with a high hand. Great possessions, great shouting, great singing, great worship. We're finally free of the Egyptians. We've waited 400 years and they take off. But Pharaoh changes his mind. He doesn't let him go. He brings his armies and his chariots and his horses and they come to destroy the children of Israel or bring them back into bondage. And the children of Israel see him coming. And listen to what they say in Exodus 14, 12. Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? That's not the way you were talking back then when you were getting your backs beat, when you were working from dawn to dusk. It'd been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we would die in the wilderness. But Moses said, you forgot something, boys. You forgot the God factor. In all of your calculations, in all of your understanding, in all that you see, you have forgot the most important thing of all. God. The God factor. Fear not. Stand still. You'll see the salvation of the Lord, which he'll show you today. The Egyptians who you see today, here's his prophecy, you will see them again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Don't say anything. And you know what? If you're wondering where God is, he's all around you. He's not just leading you. He's not just standing with you. God has your back. God's got your back. I don't know about you, but I like friends that got my back. Instead of stabbing me in the back, they're protecting me from people that would like to stab me in the back. But God has your back. Watch this. God has their back. Exodus 4, 14, 18. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. Watch. The angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed, and he went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. He was at their backs. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. It was a cloud and a darkness by night to, the, to them, but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all night long. He had their back. He was protecting them. They couldn't advance. And then science. Trust the science. Let me tell you some things about science. I trust the creator of science. I wonder if the people that want climate change are willing to stand up and say, tomorrow morning we're going to drop the temperature 40 degrees. And it will be an exact number because we have that power and that ability. We're so smart. We're so knowledgeable. 
that we can control the climate. I'm not seeing it. I don't see anybody controlling the climate. Well, but here's one that controls the climate. Watch this. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. He made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. The waters were a wall unto them on their right and on their left. How do you like that science? Hey, wind, wind. This is your creator speaking. You will come from the east and you will blow so hard all night long that you will divide this sea and you will keep blowing until I tell you to stop. And so the wind does what it's told to do and opens up the sea and dries up all the ground and Israel's going through on dry ground and when they get to the other side, God says, huh, stick your rod out again, Moses. Wind, stop. And it stops. And gravity rains again and drowns all the Egyptians and blows them back to the shoreline that they were coming from so that the Israelites don't even see them anymore or have to deal with their stink. I'm telling you, that God controls the wind and the sea and the sun and the moon and the stars and the climate. One word from him and it's done. You talk about a storm. We talk about hurricane seasons. Hey, how have we done on stopping the hurricanes? We can't control even the temperature. Do you know why the average temperature in Wisconsin is about 60 degrees this time of year? Because it might be 80 or it might be 40. And so we pick a number in between. <laughs> and we say, see how knowledgeable we are? We are not so smart. We don't have control. The ship is about to go down, the disciples are afraid. And Jesus gives them a little bit of rebuke and stands on the bow of the ship and says, peace be still, and that's it. That's the one that we need to be listening to. That's the God factor. And you can take a look. Listen, if you, you gotta get this from me today. You gotta get this from me. We're so worried about the world that we're leaving out the God factor. Oh, what if China does this, or Russia does that, or this happens, or these diseases? Wait a minute. One word from the Lord and the rapture's on, and that's it. That's it. Come up higher, and it's all over. And all your worry and all your fret and all your anxiety and all your politics and fear, worry, and doubt were a waste of energy because you have not included the God factor. What about God? What does God have to say about this? What's God going to do? 
Joshua, he followed, didn't he? God said, you know what? Just as I did with Moses, tomorrow I'm going to honor you before the people. He said, you take them down to the Jordan River and you, you march them across. You bring the ark up to the front and you, you have the priests lead them through. So Joshua tells everybody, well, tomorrow we're going for a walk through the water. We're going to cross the Jordan River. Tomorrow, wait, 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 Joshua. Let me speak on behalf of our committee, the bridge building committee. You may not be aware, but this is springtime. The banks are flooded over. There's no way we're crossing the Jordan River. You have picked the absolute worst time of year to try and cross the Jordan River, and we haven't had a chance to build a bridge. And Joshua says, we don't need a bridge. We've got God. And God already revealed the plan, and he said, this is what we're supposed to do. So let's do what God tells us to do and ignore the elements, ignore our understanding, our reason, our strategy, and just be obedient to what God has told us to do. Well, okay, Joshua, I, I think you're making a big mistake, but I'm not the one leading, you know, so I feel bad for the priest. First one's got to put his foot on the water. He's going under, but all right. He puts his foot on that water, and out of obedience... Jordan River opens up. God factor. And where are you going to attack first when you go into the promised land, Joshua? Hmm. Let's take the biggest and worst city first. How's that? No momentum. No rhythm. No previous victories. We're going after the biggest, baddest city in Canaan. And we're going after it first. And what's our strategy, Joshua? Well, God said we're going to walk around the city once a day for six days. That's it? You realize, of course, that they race chariots up on top of the walls. They're so thick. And you're just going to walk around the city once a day for six days? Yeah, that's what God told me to do, walk around the city. You realize that this is 23 square miles. That's how big the city is. You realize that, Josh? Yes, I, I know that. Are you sure? You forgot the God factor again. Do you remember when we came to the Jordan and you wanted to build bridges? And I told you what God told us to do? They marched around once a day for, one time around the city for six days and seven times on the seventh day. And Joshua said, when I shout, you shout. And they shouted and on came the walls. Defeated the greatest city of their day just by walking around it. But they had the God factor. Hmm. There's a lot we don't know, folks. So much we don't know. I got to share this with you. Sister Gruber gave me this on September the 6th. And that was a difficult time in her life and her family, but she sent this to me, and I want to read it to you. I would have pulled Joseph out, out of that pit, out of that prison, out of that pain, 
but by doing so I would have cheated the nations out of the one that God would use to deliver them from the famine. I would have pulled David out, out of Saul's spear-throwing presence, out of caves that he had to hide in, out of the pain of rejection, but in doing so I would have cheated Israel of a God-hearted king. I would have pulled Esther out, out of being snatched from her only family, out of being placed in a position she never asked for, out of the path of a vicious power-hungry foe, but I would have cheated the people out of a woman of God that God would use to save their very lives. I would have pulled Jesus off, off of the cross, off of the road that led to suffering and pain, off of the path that would mean nakedness, beatings, nails, thorns, but I would have cheated the entire world out of a savior, out of salvation, out of an eternity filled with no more suffering and no more pain. And old friend, I wanna pull you out. I wanna change your path. I wanna stop your pain. But right now I know I'd be wrong. I'd be out of line. I'd be cheating you and cheating the world out of so much good because God knows. He knows the good this pain will produce. He knows the beauty this hardship will grow. He's watching over you and keeping you even in the midst of this. He's promising you that you can trust him even when it feels like it's more than you can bear. So instead of trying to pull you out, I'm lifting you up. I'm kneeling before the Father and I'm asking him to give you strength, to give you hope. I'm asking him to protect you and move you until the time is right. I'm asking him to keep you prayerful and discerning. I'm asking him how I can best love you and be a help to you. I'm believing he's going to use your life in powerful and beautiful ways, ways that will leave your heart grateful and humbly thankful for this road that you've been on. Hmm. Let's stand together. Don't forget the God factor. I remember when I first came to a Pentecostal church and I saw the way they worshiped and although it was very different to me, I envied them that they had such great liberty. I observed so many saints in the church and the way that they were living was so much higher than the way that I was living. And I thought I could never be one of them. I don't think I could ever be that kind of a Christian. But do you know why I thought that way? because I did not know the God factor. I did not know the God that was now living on the inside of them and empowering them to live a victorious, fruitful life. I didn't know that. The plan of salvation is very simple, folks. Jesus said, except you believe I am he, you'll die in your sins. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. He said, except you repent, you're all going to perish. He said, except a man is born of the water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Things that he requires of us and came together into the plan that Peter declared on the day of Pentecost when he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the God factor. How do 12 men fail so miserably after being with Jesus for three and a half years and later all of them but one die a martyr's death? How? Because now God's on the inside and he's the deciding factor in their lives. Jesus, I pray today that we will never forget your great power, miracles, and the fact that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if there's anybody here that's afraid, if there's anybody here that's caught up in statistics and strategies and science. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.